Take your Bibles, please, and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. I want to share with you today one of my favorite verses in the Bible. You say, Brother Steve, you say that all the time. Well, I got a lot of favorites. Another old friend, verse 21. Isaiah 30, verse 21. Before we read that, let me ask you a few questions to engage you, hopefully. As Christians, we believe that God has a perfect plan, a perfect will for each of our lives. So, if that's the case, how do you know God's perfect will for you? How can you know that? How are you supposed to know whether or not you're supposed to go to college? You say, Brother Steve, I'm 70 years old. I think I've got that one figured out. Well, maybe the folks in high school don't. What job should you take? If you're to go to college, some aren't. But if you are to go to college, which college should you attend? What should your major be in your studies? And for all younger people, most younger people, who should you marry? What job should you take? Where should you live? And if you're married, where should you move your family? Into what neighborhood? Or where should they live? Think about that. Think about just the ramifications of where you live. The neighbors around them are going to have an influence on your children. Does God not have a will for that? Of course He does. What church should you attend? There's a big question. All churches are not the same, especially nowadays. Some are to the right. They believe the Scriptures. I'm not talking about Politically, I'm talking about spiritually. They believe that the Bible is the inerrant Word of God. They believe Jesus is the only way to salvation. But there are churches within a few miles of this church that don't believe that. They don't believe Jesus is the only way to God. They certainly don't believe in hell. They don't believe that salvation is necessary. Just be a good person. I think somebody doesn't believe that real good. All right, yeah. They just found out, shut me down, all right. But I, I've called hogs before. I know how to be loud. Don't worry about that. I didn't just call you a hog, by the way, all right. But. And if you join a Bible-believing church, where should you serve? What life group should you be in? There's so many, so many things that we don't know that we need to know that only God can tell us. And if God doesn't speak in some way, how can we know the will of God? How can we if God doesn't speak? Important questions. I want to talk to you today about a very important subject, hearing God's voice. Hearing God's voice. Isaiah 30, 21. It's just one verse. Let's read it together. Please read it with me. And your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right 
or to the left. Heavenly Father, let the words of our mouths, the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Let's all pray that now. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening in Jesus' name. And if you agree, say amen. amen. There are three things I want to share from you from this verse. First of all, God's voice should be anticipated. You ought to wake up every day, pick up your Bible, go to bed on time so you can get up on time to spend time in the Word of God. And when you read your Bible, no matter what book you're in, you should expect God to speak to you. God's voice should be anticipated. Notice the first part of the verse. And your ears will hear a word behind you. Now, the shepherds, a lot of people don't understand this, but the shepherds would guide their sheep by letting their sheep go ahead of them, but they were watching, and if they started going to the left, they'd say, no, 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 come back, come back, and they'd go back to the right. They'd start going to the right, they'd say, no, 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 go back, and the sheep would come back to the left. The shepherds would lead from behind, from behind. God says, your ears will hear a word behind you. Now, what's the setting of Isaiah 30? If you go back and you read the first part, Isaiah was speaking to a bunch of people that were afraid and they were fearing for their lives because there were vast, mighty, pagan armies marching from their east toward them. And so what they said, look, I know what we'll do. They didn't pray about it. They said, let's just go down to Egypt and let's run from the enemy. Let's don't trust God. Let's just run to Egypt. Let's trust Egypt. Well, that made God mad. If you go back to the first five verses of Isaiah 30, you'll see this. Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan, but not mine. Oh, you're executing a plan. You're calling your own plays, but I didn't send them in. And they make an alliance, but not of my spirit, in order to add sin to sin. They're already living in sin, and now they're choosing more sin. Who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore, the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame, and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt your humiliation. For their princes are at Zoan, and their ambassadors arrive at Hanes. Everyone will be ashamed because of a people who cannot profit them, who are not for help or profit, but for shame and also for reproach." God was jealous for His people. He didn't want them going after other people. You say, I don't like the fact that God is jealous. I love the fact that God is jealous. I'm jealous for my wife. I don't want her going after somebody else. I want her going after me, amen? And vice versa. And you should feel that way about your spouse. Well, 
God looked at Israel and Judah as his spouse. And they were cheating on God. They were going to trust in Egypt where they had been in bondage hundreds of years earlier. And they were returning, whether they understood it or not, to that former bondage. We'd rather go back to Egypt than trust in the Lord. You say, shame on them. Well, we're not far behind them many times. God was speaking to his people. They needed to look for him and to listen to the voice of the Lord. And I know that this whole concept of hearing from God is kind of a scary thing. I've heard people say, God told me to do this. And I thought in my mind, God is not within a million miles of what you're doing. My wife had several people say to her before we ever met, I believe that God wants us to get married. I'm not talking about me and her. I'm talking about somebody else and her. One of them even said, God told me. How many of you know God gets blamed for a lot of stuff he didn't do? Amen. <laughs> she said, well, when he tells me, I'll let you know. I better get off this real quick. I remember before I met Donna, I was reading out of a Bible. I wanted to bring it out. I left it on my desk. It was the first Bible I ever read all the way through. I had not started going to Union University. Oh, yes, I had. I'd already started going to university. I was actually serving at my first church. And I remember in that maroon Bible that I had, I remember coming for the first time to Jeremiah 29. And when I came across these verses, I didn't know it, but God was going to burn in my heart that they would be my life's verses. You want to know what my life's verses are? Here they are. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 14. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I like that, come and pray to me. That means you've got a secret place. You go to be with the Lord. You shut the door. You'll come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I'll be found by you, declares the Lord. I'll restore your fortunes. I'll gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent, sent you into exile. And that's hard for me to read because I pray it every day. And when I pray it, I change the pronouns to be like this. Lord, you know the plans that you have for me. You declare that. There are plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give me a future and a hope. Then I will call upon you and come and pray to you, and you will listen to me. I will seek you and find you when I search for you with all of my heart, and you will be found by me, declares the Lord. You will restore my fortunes. You will gather me from all the nations, from all the places where you've driven me, declares the Lord. You'll bring me back to the place from where you sent me into exile. I pray that every, every day. That's my life's verse. And I anticipate that God will speak to me. That's what it says. He said, I will speak to you. I will talk to you. 
God speaks to his children. When you repent of your sins, believe savingly in Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior, he starts talking to you. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 33 verse 3, God says, call to me, that's prayer, and I will answer you. Say that with me, please. Call to me and I will answer you. You know what that means? You talk to God and God starts talking to you. Call to me, I will answer thee. And I'll tell you or show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Look at me. God sees the future and he's in the future just as much as he sees and he's in the present. God knows the future. You don't know five seconds in front of you. You need the Lord, regardless of what your IQ is. In fact, to be frank with you, sometimes when people have a higher IQ, they have a harder time trusting the Lord than the rest of us. And I'm including me and the rest of us. All right. You need to call on the Lord if you want Him to talk to you. Jesus said that God talks to His children. Jesus said in John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. Say that with me. My sheep hear my voice. How many of you are born again? You've been saved. God has saved you. You're a sheep, all right? And His sheep hear His voice. He said, and I know them, and they follow me. They hear my voice. I'm their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I hear His voice. He speaks to us through the indwelling Holy Spirit. Jesus said the night before He died in John 16, 13, but when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. God knows the future. God knows your past. God knows your present setting. And when you cry out to God and say, oh, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. One of the greatest prayers in the Bible by a little boy named Samuel. God was calling his name, Samuel, Samuel. Eli had enough sense to say, you tell him, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Let's all say that together. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Jesus said, the spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, will guide you into all the truth. God will speak to you through his spirit, through inner promptings. You say, what are you talking about, inner promptings? That sounds a little bit, you know, out there. Well, it's not. It's biblical. The Holy Spirit will prompt you, and you'll feel the need to do something. I'll give you a few examples to help somebody in need. You say, well, that's just my kind heart. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. If you feel the desire to help somebody in need, that's the Holy Spirit. You say, why couldn't it be me? Because you're too selfish and so am I. The Holy Spirit will prompt you to pray for somebody. How many of you have just been minding your own business, if you will, and all of a sudden just had a real urge to pray for somebody? Anybody out there but me? Sure you have. And every time you have that, 
do it. You say, well, what if I, I miss it? What if God was not promised? Well, they're going to get prayed for anyway, all right? But you didn't just think that up. That's God prompting you in your spirit. Share the gospel with a lost person. When's the last time, you know, you, you need to carry those gospel tracts with you? Somebody doesn't know the Lord, you don't know if they know the Lord, just ask them, say, do you go to church? Uh, do you know the Lord Jesus? When's the last time you did that? I did it just the other day, a day or so ago. It may have been yesterday. Try to do it several times a week. You say, how do you know? All I know is it's not the devil telling me to tell them about Jesus. And it's not me. I'm too selfish. I'm too doing my own thing. God lays that on your heart to share the gospel with lost people. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit to encourage someone, to be kind to someone, to pray with someone, to help somebody financially, and even when you need to, to lovingly rebuke somebody. And don't enjoy it when you do it. But the Spirit of God will prompt you to do things like this. And these are not from the devil. He's too evil. And they're not from you. We're too selfish. God prompts us through the Holy Spirit of God. But God also speaks to us through Scripture. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 15 and following, from childhood you've known the sacred writings. They're able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is inspired by God, and it is profitable for what? What's, it, what's the Scripture profitable for, Paul? For teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. What is that? God's speaking to us. He's speaking to us as He teaches us, as He reproves us. As he corrects us, God is a good father, and he won't let you continue in sin. He'll train you in righteousness. Why? So the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. He'll speak to you through a sermon. He'll speak to you through somebody teaching the Bible. He'll speak to you when you read the Bible. That's why when you read the Bible regularly, you expose yourself to the voice of God. He'll speak to you when you study the Bible. He'll speak to you when you hear the Bible taught. He'll speak to you when you memorize Scripture, when you meditate on Scripture and just ruminate in it. He'll speak to you when you sing the Scriptures. Save people. Love to listen to the Word of God. Lost people don't. They'll cancel you. If you give them God's Word, John 8, 47, anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen. Jesus was talking to some people that didn't know the Lord because you don't belong to God. The reason you don't want to listen to God, you don't belong to Him. The reason we want to listen to Him is because we belong to Him. Amen. My friend David Jett, one of the godless, probably the godliest person I know besides my wife, and David told me many times, God is a talker. Say that with me. God is a talker. Look at me, child of God. God's got a lot to say to you. You need to listen to the Holy Spirit. You need to get in the Word, and you need to live in the Word until God's voice starts to becoming plain to you. You need to anticipate 
the Word of God, the voice of God. Secondly, God's voice should not only be anticipated, and here's the tough part, you need to obey it. God's voice should be obeyed. Don't just expect God to speak, then guess what? You should expect God to speak, but then God should expect you to obey. Look at these verses, and your ears will hear a word behind you. Watch this now. This is the way. Walk in it. It's not good enough just to hear the Word of God, to anticipate the Word of God. You have to obey the Word of God. Israel heard this word from Isaiah, from God. They had a decision to make. Are you, now I've told you not to go to Egypt. Are you going to go and disobey me? Are you going to stay here and trust me to protect you from these foreign armies? Are you going to trust in Egypt or me? I'm giving you the choice, but I'm telling you not to go. I'm telling you not to go. He said, this is the way. There's a better way than going to Egypt. I'm a better way. This is the way. Now, you know the way. Now, walk in it. Obey me. Walk in it. Dr. Charles Stanley died this past week. He was 90 years old. He was not perfect. No one is. Yet the Lord used him mightily. Many people have repented of their sins, believed in Jesus, received him as Lord and Savior because of Charles Stanley. He was one of the first ones to use television to spread the gospel. In 1972, think about that. Dr. Stanley began broadcasting his 30-minute program called The Chapel Hour 51 years ago. From Atlanta, it was on television stations and then it went into In Touch Ministries a couple of years, five years later, 1977. Their mission at In Touch Ministries is to get the truth of the gospel to as many people as possible. And then a year or so later, Christian Broadcasting Network, CBN, picked their program up. And it wasn't long after that that In Touch Ministries was being broadcast in over 115 million households around the world. Over 200 television stations, seven satellite networks, 458, I don't know how in the world they got that. They knew that exact number, but they did, radio stations. He wrote 60 books, many of them New York Times bestsellers. He was the president of the Southern Baptist Convention for two terms back in the 1980s when it was tough to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. My favorite book that he wrote is how to listen to God. You need to get that. You need to go home and order that or go buy our bookstore and order it. Here's what he says in his introduction. People often ask me when I listen to God, how do I know if it's God speaking or some other voice? Or I've asked the Lord to give me direction, but it's as if I hear two voices. How many of you know what he's talking about there? Amen? Yeah. How do I know if, it, if God is the one I hear or if Satan is involved or am I just talking to myself? These are legitimate questions, Dr. Stanley says, that need to be answered. Identifying who is doing the talking is essential. 
if we are to listen accurately. In Matthew 16, Jesus told His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem, suffer many things, be killed, and then be raised up on the third day. Peter, though with obvious good intentions, the Bible says in Matthew 16, 21, took affront at Jesus' remarks and said, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and stated, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. In this passage, you can see the difference between the voice of God and the voice of Satan. Peter's dilemma is, in this instance, is also ours. We wonder how we can know positively whose voice we hear. The intent of this book, How to Listen to God, is to help you understand that God does still talk to us today, but we must learn to listen for His voice. I say amen, Dr. Stanley. Rest in peace with the Lord. God wants to speak to you today. I believe that with all my heart. God is a talker. God talks to us. God tells you what to do. And then He expects you to do it. James 1.22, prove yourselves doers of the Word, not merely hearers who delude themselves. God will make known His will and His way to you. He's saying to you today, this is the way. Now walk in it. Here's the way to go. Now get up and go. Don't just sit around with knowledge. Applied knowledge is wisdom. Don't just be knowledgeable. Be wise. I'm telling you what to do. Now do it. Do it. Take a step. Even a baby step. Know the way I want you to go and then go the way I want you to go. Obey my commands is what he's saying. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I'll disclose or manifest myself unto him. If he tells you to do something, do it. If he tells you to get out of the boat, get out of the boat. Start walking on water. If he tells you to take your shoes off because you're on holy ground, take your shoes off and take your socks off too. If he prompts you to share the gospel, do it. If he tells you to pay somebody's rent, do it. When God speaks, listen intently and obey immediately. And your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. God's voice should be obeyed. Well, God's voice should be anticipated. Your ears will hear a word behind you. God's voice should be obeyed. This is the way, walk in it. But there's one more thing. God's voice will be specific. You won't have to wonder what God wants you to do. When He tells you, you'll understand. Let's look at the whole verse. Your, ear, your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Now look at this. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, God doesn't just have any word for you. He has a specific word. Now, a lot of people don't believe this. 
They said, no, no, we just read the Bible and we kind of get the gist of it and we do whatever we want to do. Eh. <laughs> Wrong. Wrong. This is the way. There's a specific way. If you say, how do I get to downtown Memphis? If I say, well, go up to the interstate and just turn wherever you want. If you turn left, you'll get there more quickly. If you turn right, you might get there one day. But just do whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter which way you go. You say, Brother Steve, that's ridiculous. Absolutely, it's ridiculous. And so it is ridiculous that you think that you can do whatever you want to do and be in the will of God. That's much more ridiculous than what I just talked about. This is the way. There's a specific way. Jesus talked. He said, there are two ways. There's a broad road that leads to destruction. There's a narrow road that leads to life. Choose you this day which road you're going to be on. You have the choice. God gives us a choice. A lot of people don't believe that. They believe everything is predestined. I guess they believe God predestines sin. God doesn't predestine abortion. God doesn't predestine sexual immorality. God doesn't predestine everything that happens. But God does have a perfect will if you'll walk in it. This is the way. He'll show you His will. This is the way. Lord, what shall I do? All of a sudden, it starts becoming clear to you. People will say things. God's Word will speak, and you'll have this beautiful coming together. And you say, ah, I believe I know what to do. Sometimes you have to fast. Sometimes you have to do without food to be able to hear from God. Sometimes you have to just get away from everybody else. Sometimes you need to talk with other people. But look at me. God will talk to you if you'll just lean in. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left, you know, if you're driving along and you don't know which way to go, it'd be nice to know. Lord, left or right? Left. Okay, how about here? Right. You say, you'll hear that? I don't know that you'll hear it just out loud like that. And I'm not talking about driving a car. I'm talking about living your life. But as you daily read the Word, spend time with God, I'm telling you, I'm telling you what I have experienced for many years you will have a strong inclination to doing something that otherwise, sometimes at least, you wouldn't think about doing. And you'll have the confirmation, remember that word, from the people around you who love Jesus and love you. That's usually how it works with me. I'll know what to do from the inner promptings of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God and then those who I love dearest, all of whom love the Lord. Some people say, well, when it comes to salvation, 
The Bible is very vague. No, it's not. It's very specific. You say, you don't know how you can know God. I, I hear people say, you, you, you Baptists, you don't know how you can know God. Oh, I know exactly how to know God. You say, that's arrogance. No, it's biblical. I'll tell you how you can know God. I, I'm telling you how I, I know how you can come to know God. First of all, you got to understand that salvation is by grace. It's by grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. If you could earn your salvation, you'd brag about it. Titus 3, 5, he saved us. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. God saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. There's grace by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. Salvation. You say, I, I don't know how to be saved. There must be many ways. No, there's only one way, by grace and then through faith. Salvation is specifically through faith. You have to trust God. The Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even though to those who what? Believed in his name. What's the greatest verse in the, in the Bible? John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever said out loud, believes in him, shall not perish but have eternal life. So if I want to get saved, there's only one way. Salvation is only by grace. It is specifically by, through faith. And there's one more thing. It is specifically through Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said that in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to God the Father but through me. I'm the only way. I'm not the best way. I'm the only way. And they believed that in the book of Acts so much so that they were ready to be arrested and martyred. Under arrest, they said these words in boldness in Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no other name. Talking about the name of Jesus. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name except the name of Jesus. That's very specific, is it not? Well, God is not only specific in salvation, God is also specific in all of life. God has a plan for your life. He knows exactly what He wants you to do. And if you will start talking to God, God will start talking to you, telling you what to do. And whatever He tells you to do, you need to do it. God's will is specific. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove, so that you may discern what the will of God is. Now look at the last three words. What is the will of God? It is good, it is acceptable, it is perfect. Say that with me. God's will is good, it is acceptable, it's perfect. It's good. It's good to be in the will of God. It's bad to be out of the will of God. Oh, it's good. It's holy. It's righteous. You know, yes, it's good to be in the will of God. It's acceptable. I'm going to like it. But not only is it good and acceptable, it is what? Perfect. 
perfect. What does that mean? It means perfect. God's voice will be specific. Jesus is speaking to all of us this morning. Are you abiding in me? Are you living close to me? Or do you just go to church once in a while and give me a nod a little bit maybe during the week? Or am I your life? God talks to people who talk with Him. And His voice should be anticipated. Your ears will hear a word behind you. If God's not talking to you, and by the way, He is talking to you, it's just that you're not listening. The problem is not with God. The problem is with you. God is talking to you. But you can't hear Him because you're so wrapped up in all this stuff. Pull away from the stuff. We just turned in our Xfinity boxes. Hallelujah. I've been, I feel like I've been set free from mindlessly watching football games. You know what a football game is? A football game is 22 people who desperately need some rest being watched by thousands and millions of people who desperately need some exercise, all right? That's what a football game is. More time to be with the Lord. I want to hear God's voice. Not interested in what the world has to say or what the devil has to say because God will lead me in His will, good, acceptable, and perfect. I want to anticipate the will of God. I want to obey the Word of God. I want God to tell me what to do, and then I want Him to help me do it, and He will. You can say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't do this. Lord, I need your help. Oh, He loves that. He loves that. He loves it when you anticipate Him talking to you, and then when He tells you to do something, He loves it when you obey Him, and when you're having a hard time obeying Him, you say, Lord, give me some help, and He will. I'm telling you, He will. And you'll find out that His voice is very specific, very specific. You'll know whether to turn right and go all around the world to get to downtown Memphis. He won't tell you that. Or he'll hear left. God will talk to you. I pray that you and I will live the rest of our lives listening for the voice of God. And your ears will hear a word behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right or to the left. Amen? Let's listen to the voice of God. Let's thank Him for speaking to us right now. Amen.